So tell me if this sounds like you. Every quarter, you look at your 401k balance and you only wonder, is this going to be enough? Am I at least getting close to retirement? Or maybe you even took a little extra initiative and you Googled, how much do I need to retire? Only to find a different answer at every different website or different article. It's loaded with confusing words and tons of ads. And if you're like many of the people I've talked to, every time you try to think about retirement, you just get overwhelmed, confused, and you end up wanting to pour a drink. And you might feel like you're lost trying to figure out retirement and you just wish there was some sort of map. Well, guess what? I created one. It's called Your Early Retirement Map and it's a simple four-part checklist to get you retired ASAP. That's right, retired as soon as possible. I wanted to clear the confusion around retiring and design a formula that you can follow without getting overwhelmed with anxiety. All you have to do is check the boxes on the checklist. And here's the best part. It's completely free. If you follow the link in the show notes and give us your name and your email address, we'll send you the PDF right now. If you go to fikeadvisors.com backslash your early retirement map, or you click the link below, we'll send it to you for free. No strings attached. You get it in your inbox right away. So if you're tired of all the confusion surrounding your retirement, then you need to go to fikeadvisors.com backslash your early retirement map and get your checklist right now. It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP podcast, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and I have with me my co-host, the one and only Brad Fike. Well, hello there. How are you today? Oh, I can't complain too much. Uh, Getting ready to head out on a vacation here next week, so just I'm looking forward to the beach. Are you going fishing? I think I am. Deep sea fishing, the fun kind. Yeah, or reef fishing. Oh, or reef fishing. I don't know. You're going with me, so quit acting like you don't know what I'm doing. Well, I'm the one that booked the uh, charter. (laughs) So so I should be asking you if we're going fishing. Exactly. So we are going fishing. So am I going to catch one of those big marlins, like those trophy fish I can hang on the wall? I think it's going to be redfish. It's going to be our big opportunity. Okay. If we're fishing the reefs. I'm I'm excited. I like fishing. If we go deep. We can go out, we'll catch a whole lot less fish. If we go to the reef, well, I'm going to have more excitement. I mean, would we really be retirement advisors if we didn't talk about fishing? Maybe we need to bring up some golf, some world travel, all the things that all the retirees like to talk about, right? Yeah. I mean, we're trying to live that dream right now so that we can tell everybody else how to do it. Oh, exactly. Well, anyway, welcome to our show uh, where we talk about early retirement, um, how to get you retired as soon as possible, all of those things. Really what we try to accomplish uh, in our conversations on here is just trying to help you get as close as you can to retirement as soon as possible. And so lately, if you want to go back into the archives, our episodes have been about um, some of the hurdles that you have to overcome on your way to an early retirement. And so we've talked about lots of different things like calculating social security and maximizing that and not getting into any tax issues that come along with retirement income. We've talked about healthcare before Medicare. We've talked about um, designing a portfolio with diversification, um, those types of things. Today, we get to talk about everyone's biggest question in retirement. And I know we've been holding off on this one, but this is probably one of the largest questions that people have. And it's all about where does my retirement income come from? Yeah. And uh, not only where does it come from, but a whole lot of other questions are involved in that. Absolutely. 
and I think and everybody's situation is different, obviously, right? So we can't generalize here because some people have different types of accounts, and those different types of accounts decide where your income comes from, right? Right. Does that makes sense, right? And when you come at a holistic approach to a lot of what we're talking about here, you're, there's going to be more than just the conversation we're having today. You know, we're going to talk a lot about income, but there's factors that come into this as to. Well, which account do I start taking my income from? Well, what are the tax ramifications of that? All those different details that actually play off of some of the conversations we've had previously on previous episodes. So this is one of those things where I will put out this disclaimer that you really need to look at your financial plan as a whole. You need to look at all the different angles, whether it be how your cash flow is coming with your income, how your investments are set up, what your tax situation is, and how you plan on leaving a legacy to your family after you're gone. Those four things are really the biggest factors. and You got to get and hash out all of the details. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that uh, we have the early retirement map, which is a free ebook for anyone who wants to download that. That talks about those four different pieces and they go through some of the questions that you need to be asking on that checklist of what do I need to cover? But being income as one of those major things, the thing that everyone thinks about in retirement, right? Because you're going to stop working one day. And maybe it looks like you go to a part-time job and you lower your income, but you're going to stop working one day and then you're going to depend on what you've saved and the planning that you've done to pay your bills. That's a scary moment. I mean, have you had that experience when you're talking to clients, Brad, that when you say, hey, you know, all of a sudden your paycheck is going to get shut off. What do you want to do? Well, first of all, I want to back up for a second. I didn't know you millennials knew what a map was. I thought you guys just knew what GPS is. Well, we we know what Google Maps is because it's an app on our phone. Oh, okay. It tells us where to go, so we don't have to do any of the work ourselves, but it's it's kind of nice. Okay. Well, I wasn't clear on that <laughs> because I thought there's other millennials who are going to go, what is a map? Especially right. one in a book that's oh, absolutely. written on a piece of paper. Well, this is an ebook, so we've already covered that okay, gap. So we've you gone to the clear. digital map world, yeah, so we're okay. already there. I got you now. Uh, so on the income side of it, some of the things you'll experience is, are the Browns going to be really good and will they go to the Super Bowl? So you need extra income for that when that day does arrive. This is our year. And if the Indians go to the World Series, you're going to have to have extra money for tickets for that. This is our year for that, too. Well, unfortunately, this is the year when you probably won't be able to go watch them live. This is true. The, uh, that would actually make sense. The one year that we can't go see Cleveland in the World Series or in the Super Bowl will be the year that they actually make it. Exactly. So back to the income plan part of it. I'm 100% with you. That you have to plan for these things as well as not just a monthly budget. You got to go, what kind of cool things do I want to do in my life as well? Such as fishing in South Carolina and some of the most awesome fishing in the world at Lake Erie. Oh, yes. Good old so, walleye fishing. Walleye and perch. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You can't beat that. Good stuff. And right so there. close to where we are at home. You know, we're, we're located, our offices are located here in Worcester, Ohio, which is Northeast Ohio. But man, you don't get much better fishing just an hour and a half north. That's right. And also don't forget that if the Who Tour around, their tickets are not cheap for a good seat. So you have to put that in the budget as well. Who are the Who? Who are you? Okay. <laughs> you don't want me singing. Probably so, not. But my point is that you have, to, you have to plug in a few of those entertainment items uh, in that income planning. Absolutely. I mean, when you're looking at income, you have to consider all of the angles. And I know the perfect example is... Uh, you know, my wife's family, uh, we went down to the Outer Banks uh, a couple years ago now. And one of the greatest gifts I've ever received, I think I just talked about this uh, in one of the emails not too long ago, but one of the greatest gifts I ever received was a free vacation. Her grandpa, as a retirement gift, 
for himself and for the family, paid for our whole place to stay down there for a week's vacation. And it's like, how awesome is that? Well, part of that comes down to his planning. He planned for a major expense like that. So he knew that as he's drawing his income and deciding how he's going to take his paycheck after he's done working, that he needed to consider a very large withdrawal that is going to be going to something that he truly cares about and is excited about. And we had a wonderful experience. I mean, the there was people in the family who had gotten together for the first time in many, many years and had a blast. It was awesome. And those types of things, like you say, Brad, you need to consider those when you're talking about income and designing an income plan through to and through retirement. Yeah. And I, uh, I have a like experience with a client who is currently over a three-year period drawing an extra chunk of money, which we discussed several years ago when she finally retired, that she's taken her whole family to Alaska. And so she's pulling a chunk of money over a three-year period because most of her money's qualified. And uh, so it's a kind of a long-term goal, but that was also part of the planning process. It wasn't just monthly budgets and what do I need to live on every month? It's those exciting dream vacations that you want to have and maybe other people that you want to include in that. So, Absolutely. You know, and and the, the drawing it out over three years is part of a strategy that you're probably using, I would imagine, yes. to lower the taxable amount to that. So instead of taking out one large taxable chunk in one year and getting hammered with maybe a higher tax bracket, part of that tax planning and deciding when to take income is since she's pre-planned that trip and knows that she wants to do it, she's able to plan out and say, okay, I can take lesser tax hits on three consecutive years rather than taking it all out at once and going on that trip right away. And so this is all part of some of that planning stuff. And so here's what I want to ask you, Brad, because I think you're probably the expert over me when it comes to dealing with clients taking income because you have 30 years. How many years of experience do you have? A hundred? Five, maybe. Five. (laughs) I'm very young. Wait, wait, maybe I do have more experience then. (laughs) (laughs) But over 30 years, you've seen a lot of clients retire and make lots of decisions throughout their retirement when it comes to income drawing. So here's, here's the one thing that we discussed. We talked about this before we started the podcast. Really, there's two big questions when it comes to drawing income for clients. And I want to start off with the first one. And the first one is, how much can I get out of my retirement? How much do I, maybe it starts more like this. How much do I need to save, number one, to get what I can get, what I want to get? And then maybe a follow-up question to that is, if I have X amount of dollars, how much can I really get out of there? How do you decide that if you're someone getting ready to retire? Well, I don't think there's a simple formula. I mean, you can use formulas. There's people will say that if you know how much you need, then you take 4% of the amount and and that's what uh, you can draw if you have a million dollars, you could draw 40000 a year out safely and all those good uh, general ratios, but you can't really use those for in real planning. I mean, that's just a generality. So you got two phases there that you talked about. One is the accumulation phase, which is me pre-retirement planning to build how much do I need. Mm-hmm. And then you got a decumulation period, which is once I turn the income on, now I'm decumulating my assets, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So those are two different phases completely. So with good planning, you're planning all along through life approximately, you know, we usually use 100% of my current income when I sit down with somebody. I usually go, what's your current income now? And if you retire, will that be a good income for you? And this is because you can't project 20 years, 10 years down the road because we don't really know what taxes are, what, you know, lifestyle. We don't know any of that stuff. We can guess. And the best guess is let's go by today's and then we'll inflate it out and look at all those things down the road. So on the accumulation side of it, we're building a retirement pot 
that we can decumulate. So that has to all be pre-planned in that area. Absolutely. And so you mentioned a little bit there, like that 4% withdrawal rate. I think you can kind of browse around on the internet and look at income ideas on all kinds of different investing websites and retirement websites. And they'll tell you that there's like a rule of thumb, the 4% withdrawal rate. And basically what that is, is what many investment advisors will tell you is if, well, if you are in a moderate to conservative portfolio when you hit retirement, if you draw out 4%, the goal of your portfolio is to reaccumulate whatever investments you have should have enough return to cancel out what you're taking out. So if you take a 4% withdrawal rate, your money should last throughout your retirement, no problem. Which in theory, on paper, that might make some sense. But when you actually do the calculations and you see some things on there, this is what you're mentioning, is that that 4% withdrawal rate would make a lot of sense if you knew exactly what your return was going to be and it was going to stay the exact same every year. So if you say I have a 4% withdrawal rate, but I'm making 5% in the market, then obviously I'm never going to run out of money. Well, your average return may be 5 but the problem is in most cases when your average return in, in your portfolio is 5 you very rarely actually get 5% in any given year. A lot of times it's one year you get 12, the next year you get 2, you know, and then it fluctuates back and forth and goes to come out to an average of 5. But when you're using a I know exactly how much I'm going to take out at 4% and I'm counting on getting 5, that may be a very dangerous thing. Can you talk a little bit about why that would be dangerous? I mean, when we're ta- when we're starting to get fluctuating returns, but we're taking a consistent amount out of the account, why can that cause problems long term for someone's income? Yeah, and and uh, just before I go into that, the new uh, withdrawal rate is now three. So th- mm. now this is what the new modern approach to it is. So it's getting smaller and smaller because it used to be five. Well, that's because you know interest rates are uh, pounded down, so they're saying the yields on bonds are not going to get the yields that you used to. So going forward, you need to look differently. Again, I don't use that as my roadmap. I would use that as a general discussion if I'm at a restaurant. Right. And somebody says, how much do I need to withdraw? Well, you pull through four or five percent, you'll probably be okay. But there's a whole lot of variables that go with that. Sure, sure. Right. And so those variables go back to market returns because market returns, like you said, are not consistent. So you have to put some modeling together. You have to put some tests together to say, okay, if this is how much I have, this is how much I need, put those together, put them into some testing and through software testing that will throw all different kinds of models of what the market could possibly do in the future. And that will give me a percentage of success rate. There's no perfection here, right? Right. We can play statistics, right? The the statistics side of things are as close as we can get to certainty, which there never will be, but it's as close as we can get to certainty when we're projecting things out. And so I I see what you're saying. So modeling type things like a a Monte Carlo simulation or something similar that's running lots and lots of different market scenarios. And with the information that you plug into it and can see, a success rate is kind of the best thing we can do when it comes to deciding, you know, how much you need. Now, here's here's my question I was kind of getting to with that 4% withdrawal rate, because it's really interesting to start seeing. And we'll talk about this with my next question for you, too. But when you start looking at some portfolios and their average return, let's say client A has an average return of eight and client B has an average return of five, okay? But they have very different risk factors. That 8% average return has a much higher risk factor because the spread of returns is going to be a lot wider. They may have a 
top end of their portfolio expected return being 20 to 25% in any given year, and the bottom end being down 20 to 25%. It ends up averaging 8 for them, but in that case, when you have that wide of a of, uh, return range, that can really throw a wrench in when you're drawing out a consistent income, because what if you're taking money out when the market's down? That has a much larger impact than when than when you're taking money out when the market's up. And so those types of things you really have to consider in a long-term plan. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, it isn't necessarily the return that you're talking about here. It's the risk factor. Right. So if I'm pulling consistently every month, I'm pulling a, let's say a, a fixed amount and whatever that amount is, I'm pulling a fixed dollar amount every month out, then my account could drop if it's in a higher risk, that's say, let's go back to risk versus reward. The Mm -hmm. higher the risk I take, the higher return I should get, right? Right. Technically. And the less risk, the less return. So if I'm taking a higher risk, then I'm getting to get that 8%, that higher return you're talking about. But when that market goes down, that might stay down for a longer period of time than the lower risk, the 6% risk factors. That makes sense? Yeah. So what happens is now I'm pulling money off every month and I'm selling shares, whether it's stocks or mutual funds or ETFs or whatever that is. And this is really important because I think a lot of investors look at their accounts and look at the dollar amount and say, I have X amount of dollars in there. But really what you're saying, and this is the facts of it, is that they have X amount of shares that are worth that dollar amount. So the shares are actually one of the most important factors when it comes to drawing income. So continue, sorry. Shares times the price uh, per share. So if I'm selling more shares off because the market's down and I still got to get that same fixed dollar amount in my pocket to live on, I got to sell more shares because the price per share is down. I got to sell more shares to get that same dollar amount. Does that make sense? Yes. So when the market comes back, and if that lasts longer, so that 8% portfolio may last longer in the downside, I'm going to sell a whole lot more shares off than I would maybe the lower risk one. But the bottom line is when the market comes back, I have less shares that are participating in the upside of it. Of that share price. And so you may not get the recovery you'd expect. Even though you have a higher expected return, that's not that's assuming that you have the same shares throughout that whole time period. Correct. And the problem is when you're taking income, you're selling off shares, and when the markets are down, they have detrimental effects. Yeah. And so what you're saying is, and, and this is kind of leads into my next question. My next question is, how do you make sure as a retiree you don't run out of money? right? How do, how do you make sure that happens? What you're really saying is it's not, once you hit that retirement phase and you're starting to draw income from your portfolio, it no longer, the, the top priority is no longer maximizing return. What your top priority is, is to minimize risk to get the return that you need, right? But minimizing risk is the main factor. Correct. So back to the accumulation, decumulation phases, the accumulation phase, what, are, what is our objective? We're, we are looking to get the highest return we can based on the amount of risk that we're willing to take as an investor. Yes. So that has to be the accumulation phase. In the decumulation phase, it's no longer the return. It is now the risk factor. We got to look at the risk, the time, the dollar amounts. There's, there's a massive amount of information that needs to be had, you know, taxes and all these things in there, but it is no longer the 
interest return. It's more about the risk I'm taking. It's going to give me a smoother ride as I'm drawing money out. Right. And that makes a lot of sense logically. And I think sometimes the logic side of things gets lost in the emotion side of things. And so we've had this conversation, you and I have had this conversation, that when we hit retirement, there has to be a major mentality shift about our retirement funds. And it has to go from, I'm not worried about getting the absolute top dollar in my account anymore. During that accumulation phase, absolutely. We want to have the highest average return. We want to get as much money in there as possible. But once you hit that decumulation phase where we're drawing that income off there, our mentality has to shift of we're no longer trying to maximize this account value. We're trying to make sure that we are getting what we need out of this account for as long as possible, for our entire lifespan. And that changes the mentality of saying, I don't really care about the dollar value in here as long as I know that there is a high probability that I'm going to be able to get my 5000 a month or my 2000 a month out of my account for as long as I possibly can. That's when that mentality shift happens. And now it becomes not so much about the emotions of what's going on in the market, the ups and the downs. It's more about the logical and emotional side of saying, am I still getting what I need out of the account? Is the money still available for my big trip that's coming up in five years? Is this stuff all planned for and organized so that long term, I'm using my money as a tool. I'm not worried about my, my identity isn't in the value of my account that I'm a, I have a million dollar retirement account or I have a $500,000 retirement account. It's not about that number. It's about I have the consistency and security to know that statistically, my money is going to last the next 20 to 25 years all through retirement. Exactly. And, um, you know, to go back for younger people or anybody, any age, let's just go to any age, you have to be 100% engaged in a process. If you're not engaged, we can't do it right. And therefore, there is going to be fear. There is going to be issues. There is going to be behavioral issues and, and caused by that fear, that uncertainty. So if you're in the process, if you're engaged from minute one, engage with your advisor and, and be open and talk about it, you'll have a whole lot better experience with no fear, no judgment. You'll just have a nice, smooth retirement. But you know, problem is you got some who don't want to engage. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think the problem is, and I will say this for all of our listeners who may be working with an advisor or they may be, you know, trying to do it themselves and work on these things themselves. The problem is, is taking yourself away from that top line number, thinking of, you know, I need X amount of dollars in this account at all times, or I need whatever it is, removing yourself from that number value and putting yourself in the shoes of saying, what is, what is it that I need to make myself have the retirement I need, if that makes sense? So it's not about saying I need to hit half a million or a million or 10 million or whatever it is I need to hit in my account to make me feel like I have finally arrived. It's about saying, what does my actual future retirement look like? Am I going to be happy sitting at home doing nothing and getting X amount of dollars? maybe? Or do I want to do, do I want to have this hobby? Do I want to work this part-time job? What do I want this to look like? And then using the tool of your retirement account, using your money as a tool to make that project work. That's hard to get that shift of mentality. It's hard to say getting away from the idea of, especially when you spend 30 to 40 years working and just dumping money into this account and watching it grow from $0 to 100000 to 200000 to a million, whatever it is, when you watch it grow over your lifetime, you become pretty attached to getting that number up high. 
But what you have to remember is the reason you got it so high is so that you can pay for the things that you want. It doesn't need to stay that high for the rest of your life. The goal is to use it as a tool to enjoy the life that you want. Yeah, and I think that's a mentality or a behavioral thing where we get it to a certain level and we want more. And then we get to that level and we want more. And unfortunately, we are never happy when we're focused on the top number. I need to have a million dollars. Well, I get to a million. Well, I need a million five. I mean, this is, I hear this all the time and you go, you can't focus on the number. You got to focus on your life. We'll find the numbers. But if you focus on the overall value, you're never going to be happy because you're always going to want a little bit more than what you had. Right. Yeah. And that's normal human instinct. That's nothing negative to be said there. It's just normal instinct of, uh, in general of a human. Well, to go back to the the question to make how do I make sure that I don't run out? I think you talked about this a little bit earlier when it comes to the modeling, right? And I think this is really important for our listeners to know because when I go through a retirement plan with a client, we'll go through some sort of modeling of income and we'll stretch it out. Let's say let's say they want to retire at age 60 um, and we're going to just assume that they live to age 90 or maybe age 100. And so what I'll do is I'll plug in what their income need is, what it, what it is, and then I'll plug in their assets and I'll plug in some expected returns with a, you know, we'll put some standard deviation information in there so they have a range of returns that are going to happen. And then we'll run lots of different scenarios with that. And what it comes down to then is say, okay, am I, you know, statistically certain that this is a good and viable option for retirement? The answer will hopefully be yes when they turn 60. Sometimes it's not and we have to readjust some things and either lower income or start talking about part-time work or whatever, or saving more now while they can. But really what it comes down to, I think, in stretching out the longevity of a retirement plan is staying on top of that statistical analysis. So if I run it for them at age 60 and say there's a 90% chance that they're going to have money by the time they turn age 90 left over, that means it's a good, solid, sound statistical measure of it. I'm happy with those numbers. But here's the thing. That's just assuming that the majority of those things happen. Now, if I rerun those numbers when they turn 61, just to see and check in on how they're doing, is it still at 90%? Did it drop down to 85? Did it go up to 95? Those are the things that are really important and why you continue to have a financial advisor is because I think to make sure that your money lasts as long as possible, you just have to keep checking on it. You have to consistently say, I have a plan set aside. This is the direction I'm going. But you also have to be willing to be flexible and make that change if you need to make that change. If we check it out a year later or five years later or whatever it is, and those statistics have changed, we might need to adjust what your retirement looks like just to make sure that we don't run out of money. I think that's important because I think some people are in the set it and forget it mentality. Oh, once I turn 60, I'm going to get $3,000 a month out of my retirement plus my social security. I'm going to be good for the rest of my life. Well, hopefully that's how it works, but sometimes life throws us curveballs and we need to be prepared for those types of things and we need to adjust on the fly for that. Yeah, and how many people have we rerun income plans since the COVID? Oh my goodness, yes. Now, even our clients don't even know we ran them. We run them, just it's what we do internally to make sure that we aren't off base. And if there is a if there is an issue, then we'll make the phone call and go, hey, we need to re-talk about this. But you know, it is a hopefully a short-lived in the grand scheme of things, right? So let's hope COVID doesn't wipe us out for five years. That's a whole different world. But if it wipes us out for a year to 18 months, which is technically when most recessions on average last, then, you know, it probably isn't a 
a grand deal in the grand scheme of things. But that doesn't mean it isn't going to be a grand deal for everybody. Right. So that's why we have to run the tests again. And when we're running the tests now, we're running the tests a whole lot less value than what it was a year ago, let's say. So right. it, it can vary, and you do have to do it on a regular basis. Right. And And I find a lot that we run these income plans and we plan to age 90 or for some clients will plan to age a hundred because they want to be real certain that there's money for their entire lifetime. And we run these plans and we look at all this stuff and people will bank on that. This is how it's going to be for the next 20 to 30 years. And I mean, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who was diagnosed with testicular cancer and he's in his early thirties. You can't plan for that kind of stuff. Especially when you're in your 60s, your 70s, you can't plan for whatever medical expenses you might run into. You can't plan for, you know, crazy things to happen in your life. So while these financial plans are all great and they do give us some security, the reality is we don't know what tomorrow brings to us. And so having the ability to be flexible with our income and have someone that knows, oh, our financial yoga guy just raises eyebrows. You can't see it, but I just saw Brad just, he jumped thinking about flexibility. Yoga. That's right. But um, the, the reality is we can't plan or count on anything. What we can do is that we can project things out. We can head in one direction. And if something changes, we have to take a 180 turn or we have to turn at a 90 degree angle in retirement, then we need to be able to do that. We need to have an income plan that's designed to do that. I'll kind of touch on this because I think a lot of people, when they talk to their financial advisors, they talk about solid income as in maybe they're buying an annuity of some sort that's an income stream, or maybe they're doing some sort of income stream type of retirement. There's not anything wrong with that. But I want to warn our listeners, that's not a fix-all for everything. We will use an annuity in a certain situation with a certain client, but I would be very careful if all your advisor is talking about when you retire is buying an annuity, buying this income, getting locked into an income stream for the rest of your life, because that could potentially be something that isn't good for the flexibility of what life might throw at you during your retirement. That would absolutely be something that financial yo guy would never recommend because there is zero flexibility in that. So that's, right. that's all I got to say. Yeah. There's certain situations where a, a solid foundation for income on top of social security or on top of a pension plan that makes sense. But we, you have to be careful. I, we talk about this a lot with our clients as they come in the door and they say, Hey, I need I talked to so-and-so and they think I need an annuity. What do you think? It's like, well, maybe, maybe not. Let's run a full-blown holistic financial plan, look at all the angles and see if it makes sense. If you're still, if you can get an annuity, get the income you need and still have some flexibility with other assets, maybe it does fit. But otherwise, it might be a very dangerous thing. So be very careful about that. I know that when, when the income conversation comes up, a lot of times the insurance uh, sales guys are out there and they are foaming at the mouth to watch your million dollars go into their income plan. And whoop-de-doo, you get X amount, you know, 5, 10K, you know, whatever it is per month for your income plan, but leaves you with zero flexibility. If anything happens, a medical disaster, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's probably nothing in there for inflation either. So um, yeah, I, I'm not going to say that there isn't potential for short-term uh, income annuities, but in most cases, the income riders on these things are very non-flexible and somewhat dangerous in the long run. But, uh, you know, that's what happens in this world when you got uh, 
Well, I better not go there. That's right. I'll stick with my financial yoga flexibility, baby. Flexibility. Don't force me to put an extra disclaimer on this podcast just because you said something right there. I'm glad that you held that back. So to summarize here, Brad, as we're wrapping up this episode, I just want to ask the question, you know, again, how mu- how do we decide how much you can get out of your retirement type stuff? Well, that answer is going to be uh, different for every person, obviously, because we have to gather lots of information. We put it into our softwares and uh, we have several different softwares. We'll run risks, we'll run um, uh, statistical numbers and things of that sort. So there really isn't a straight answer for that that I can say. Is But we will want to start with what do you need? And then we'll try to get to that number, you right. know, and that need includes extra money for entertainment and such like that. So when people say, well, what do you mean by need? Well, it's not just to cover your bills. You want to be able to enjoy life, right? Right. I mean, you worked all these years. So we have to put that in there. And if that number is X, then we do all the scenarios. If it works out, then it works out. If it doesn't, then you have to adjust. Absolutely. So that's that's the answer to that question. I'll answer the question of, you know, how do you make sure you don't run out? You stay on top of it. You stay flexible. I think to make sure that you don't run out of income in retirement, you have to make sure that you can adjust to any sort of scenario that comes at you. Does that mean that some years you may have less income than others? Probably. Does that mean that other years that you'll have some surplus that you may be able to use in the down years or you may be able to just enjoy a little bit extra in that year? Absolutely. It's really important if you want to make sure you don't run out of money that you are staying on top of your plan. Whether you're doing it yourself or you have an advisor, you need to check in regularly, whether that's every year, a couple times a year, you know, years like this where, you know, there's been a COVID crisis and the beginning of the year was kind of crazy and the end of the year has been kind of crazy with election stuff. It's checking in when things are happening and you got to be prepared for those types of things. So to wrap up everything, we're talking about income here. It's an important factor. It's probably the number one question that everyone asks about retirement. And what you really need is you probably need some helpful advice along the way. So if you're looking for an advisor or you want a second opinion on what your advisor has been telling you, uh, we're taking on new clients at Fike Advisors. It's really simple to schedule an appointment with us. You can go to our uh, website, www.fikeadvisors.com. Right there on the homepage, you're going to see in the top right corner a Schedule Now button. If you're even listening to this on your desktop computer, the Schedule Now button should be right there in the top right corner of the page. You can click it. You can schedule a free 20-minute phone call, or you can come into our office if you're local. You can schedule a free 20-minute appointment with us, and we can just discuss to see if there's anything that we can help you with. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't, but you'll never know unless you start asking those questions. And so let us help you. We do it. You know, that first appointment's completely free. You have nothing to lose there. There's no risk other than the loss of 20 minutes of your day, but I'm going to tell you it'll be valuable. Most people who walk into our office walk out with a very clear next step of what they need to do to take one more step towards retirement. So again, that schedule now button's in the top right corner. Um, We'll be back a couple weeks. This is the first week of October, right? The first, even the first day of October, this episode's coming out. We'll be back the third week of October. So we- We'll have fishing stories too. Oh yeah, we will have some fishing stories. We release an episode on this podcast uh, twice a month, the first and the third Thursday. So check us out for our next episode. In the meantime, if you're looking for some other information, we have a whole archive of episodes, over 25, 26 episodes uh, of stuff. There's some really good ones. You can dive into some of the older episodes that are about some of the other hurdles that you can run into on your way to retirement. As always, if you would leave us a rating or review on 
on Apple. That helps us get our name out to the podcasting world. Give some people uh, some information to do with that so you can do that on any podcasting app, whatever you're listening to us on. And in the meantime, have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.